Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 697 with Eric Wilkerson. We try to stay focused on the fundamentals and the core things that, that make us successful. When we look at growth, we say, well, you know, why do we want to grow? We like to share our food. We eat it every day. We're really proud of it. We like the culture. Hopefully, we're able to continue to maintain, build and maintain. We like the relationships with the community. And so when we look at the growth, and we say, okay, well, what's working in these restaurants right now? We have an actual track record. We have stuff that's real, right? It's not just, it's not just theoretical. And we try to replicate that in other neighborhoods or other parts of the, other cities. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Ladies and gents, you've got to own your presence online because that's where your first impressions are made. Good thing there is Bento Box because Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their websites. To learn more about Bento Box and how it can empower you through your website, head over to getbento.com slash unstoppable. And because you are a restaurant unstoppable listeners, you'll save 50% off your setup fee. Again, that's getbento.com slash unstoppable. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365, a value of $5,000. Don Professional, it does more than just save greasy oil slicking ducks. It also happens to be the number one dish detergent found in almost every commercial kitchen with long-lasting suds that clean 58% more dishes per sink. To learn more, go to www.pgpro.com and experience the grease-fighting power of Don Professional Dishwashing Liquid. You can find Don Professional at Sam's Club or by visiting samsclub.com slash Don Professional. What is going on, Unstoppables? I have a great show for you today, but before we get started, I want to let you know about this other podcast you should be listening to if you like this one. It's called QSR Magazine's Fast Forward. It brings you interviews between QSR editor Sam Okus and some of the fast casual restaurant industry's most illustrious leaders from Cava's Brett Shulman to Chipotle's Brian Nickel to Mod Pizza's Ali and Scott Svensson head over to qsrmagazine.com slash podcast for their full archive or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, Sam and I are helping each other out. He's doing the same thing on his podcast right now. So uh, go check it out. And today we have a great show for you. Eric Wilkerson from Taco Deli. Uh, Great stuff covered in today's chat. We talk about the give a shit factor. We talk about starting as small as you can or just where you can. Uh, we talk about sweat equity being a real thing, especially if your original founder, uh, if you're strong where they're weak. We talk about 
you'll never be ready or why you'll never be ready and just why you need to go for it. Growing people before growing your restaurants, mapping out your organizational chart and how that can have an impact on your restaurant. And then lastly, building out the roles and the framework of your business before you scale, not when you need it after you've scaled. So great stuff today. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, just to let you guys know, I am in Los Angeles. So if you're uh, out there in in that area and you want to meet up, maybe you have a recommendation or two I'm listening, uh, or I would just like to connect with you if you're a listener. Uh, I'm always looking for a way to eat on the road, so maybe you can feed me, and uh, thank you in advance. All right, guys, uh, enjoy today's show, and uh, here it is. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Eric Wilkerson. Eric, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm feeling unstoppable. Yes, I cannot wait to dive into your story. So co-owners Roberto Espinosa and Eric Wilkerson both went to the University of Texas and met after Espinosa opened the original Taco Deli location in Austin, Texas in 1999. Over the past 20 years, Taco Deli has expanded their menu while still making sure to source ingredients locally whenever possible. Founder Roberto Espinosa was born and raised in Mexico City, and the menu shows these roots from the ingredients used to the cooking techniques used. And uh, now, uh, almost 20 years later, 11 locations, six in Austin, four in in Fort, uh, or sorry, DFW, and one in Houston. I cannot wait to find out how you guys accomplished this, but let's get that motivation. Motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Yeah, so um, thanks for having us. Oh, thanks man. for having me. And it's a look, pleasure. Looking forward to the conversation. Um, what, you know, we have a lot of quotes that uh, uh, you know, pick up along the years, but one of my favorites is, and, I, and I'll paraphrase this, but it's a, it's a Jerry Garcia quote. Okay. And it's, it's, it's uh, along the lines of don't just uh, be the best at what you do. Be the only one who does what you do. Don't just be the best at what you do. Be the only one that does what you do. Did yes. I get that right? That's correct. How does that resonate with you? Um, you know, in, in several ways. I mean, I think it's a good. I think it's a good kind of mindset for um, your both your, you know, your personal and your professional life. Yeah, um, I'm going to move the mic just a little bit closer. You're doing great. Okay, good. Um, it's something that we've we, we do uh, refer to at Taco Deli, um, just kind of as a guiding principle. Um, you know, all, all you know in business, you obviously want to succeed. You want to be successful. You want to do well. Um, but when I hear that quote, it, it's it takes it a step further. Of, um, really differentiating yourselves, you know. There's obviously a ton of great restaurants, um, and you know, if, if you can, if you can be lucky enough to be among the best at what you do, or ideally be so unique that there you don't have a lot of competition, it really kind of protects you uh, mm. and hopefully gives you a little more longevity. Yeah, so I'm curious. Um, in the the world of tacos, obviously you're not the only one doing tacos, right? But what is it that you do that's only that only you do in within the taco realm? Oh well, gosh, that'd be a <laughs> a little bit it would be a little subjective, right? Yeah. Um, you know, everybody, you know, in the restaurant business, you know, you obviously want to have great service. You want to have great food. You know, we obviously want to try to uh, not just meet but exceed our guests' expectations. Um, you know, we really, you know, we really lean into the business. Um, you know, we really are a family. I mean, that, that sounds kind of cliched. I think you hear that a lot uh, yeah. in, in different businesses, but. Um, you know, we have a very a very strong culture. We uh, we're very supportive of one another. Um, I think we're we've been fortunate that we really we genuinely enjoy what we do. We get up, we like coming to work. Yeah, and we've we've been real fortunate. We're surrounded by a team of people yep. that kind of share those same values and kind of 
have that same enthusiasm about the business. It's so. it's more than just tacos. I think that's kind of what I was trying to get at, and that's kind of what I'm hearing from you is that, yeah, you serve tacos, and there's countless other restaurants in Texas alone that serves tacos, but you're not just serving tacos. You're serving culture. You're, you're providing opportunity. You're doing so much more, right? Yeah, we really want to be a, a, a part of the community. Uh, we, want to, we want to try to give back. We want to be a place where people... Um, enjoy coming, uh, you know, obviously for the food, but also, also for the relationships, and yeah. for the, the whole experience. I love it. So where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Because you guys both went to the University of Texas, right? We did. You had a friend that tried to introduce you at one point, right? Yeah, it, it was funny. I mean, it, it, reflecting upon it, we were, uh, you know, friends with the same circle of friends. Uh, Roberto was about one year ahead of me. So he, when he graduated from, from UT, he moved out to Atlanta, uh, took a job in the wine and spirits business. Okay. Um, a year later, I moved out to Atlanta, and I was a, a, a traveling IT consultant, um, road warrior, so hotels and, and airports and taxi cabs then. But um, I ate out all the time. And, you know, Roberto was getting a great perspective um, selling booze <laughs> to yeah. restaurants and bars. So I, I got a great perspective. You know, I was, I was dining out three meals a, a day, five days a week sometimes, um, and, and unknowingly was kind of absorbing you know a lot of the positives and negatives uh, you know experiences you you, you you encounter when you go out to eat what were some of those positive experiences that really stuck with you you know to you know I think that that what it really really goes back to is is, is places you know and I, I kind of call it the give a shit factor yeah. you know, places that that um, you know they they seem to care uh, yeah. you know they, they put a little effort into it um, you know there seemed to be Sometimes it's kind of hard to pin down individual uh, attributes or elements of the experience. But I feel you. It seems like you could you can leave from 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 having a meal and and you know it, it, the sum of the whole experience was either ultimately positive or negative. Yeah, maybe maybe just a little negative, maybe a little. Positive. And even if there's a mistake, like the power of of your guest or the restaurant owner giving a shit. Uh, to do what's right to recover from whatever that mistake is, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, and and you know, um, this is kind of, I, I I'd like to think kind of common sense, but just treating people the way that you'd want to be treated. Yeah, the know, golden so. rule, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. that easy and that hard. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think we lose sight of how hard it can be to do the right thing always, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but what was going? So uh, you said Roberto was in the wine business. You were in the IT business. Uh, you had a friend that tried to connect you while you were in school, right? Yeah, what was so, the reason for trying to connect you in the first place? Well, so so there, it, when I moved out to Atlanta, uh, we did have a mutual friend, and yep. um, and she was like, "Hey, you know, let me introduce you to." Actually, I called her. I said, "Hey, I'm moving out to Atlanta. So looking forward to seeing you." And she said, "Well, that's great, but I'm moving back to Austin." Oh, <laughs> I said, "But don't worry, I can introduce you to some friends." And, oh, okay, and, and she had made an effort to introduce us and. You know, we were cut. You know, a couple guys. So I think I might have tried to call him, or you know, I think yeah. we were both kind of feeling obligated to. All right, well, this is kind of awkward. <laughs> you know, it didn't really go anywhere. Um, but it was funny. You know, five years later or whatever, when we were actually leaning into the business, I opened up my my at that time, you know, the address book and to put his phone number in there, and it was already in there. I mean, it, and I'd, I'd forgotten the actual so, book. Yeah, I mean, I had. Man, it, you're I had dating it. yourself right now. I know. Now. <laughs> I know. This is the '90s, right? You know, it was a long time ago. So um, you're in IT. Uh, what, what were you? What was your path at this point? What were you thinking? Your your where where were you intending to, to end up someday at, at this point in your life? Well, you know, I had always wanted to do something for myself, um, but you know, I, I 
when I was at UT, I just I chose the degree basically based on what on, was your degree? IT. Well, it was management information systems. So okay. it's, a, it's a college of business. Uh, it's a college business degree. So okay. I'm not I'm not overly technical. Yeah. But it was basically uh, you know using computers and technology to augment or support your business. Okay. Um, you know the money was not bad right out of right out of the gate, uh, but I didn't like the work. What was the work? Um, you know, we would, uh, well, I worked for, I worked for Unisys, uh, I worked for IBM and I worked for a management consulting company called Kurt Salman Associates. Okay. Um, and we would, we would go in and, you know, we would literally help people, you know, either update their computer systems or in some cases implement a, a, a technology based solution for, uh, maybe a business that really hadn't relied on that very much in the past. Yeah. So, um, so, so removing know, the old systems and processes, uh, with newer technology to speed up the process and to just be overall more efficient. Yeah. Just, just applying technological solutions to, to business problems. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. So the travel was, 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 um, tiresome. You know, it was a, a, a hard on the personal life. <laughs> yeah. 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 So no, it just, yeah. it, it just, you know, the, uh, you know, the big lesson there was, 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 you know, don't don't choose a career based solely on the compensation um, oh, without a consideration lesson. of how you like to spend your time. I mean, it's I, not going to work. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's huge, especially in this industry, because um, because we don't make that much. We tend to look at one or two dollars as being a deal breaker, like where we decide to go. Like, oh, I might make two extra dollars if I go here. Yeah. But the question you need to be asking yourself is, where am I going to go to build the best resume? Who am I going to surround myself with at these restaurants? Are going to help me in my career? What assets are they going to give me beyond compensation? Like experience, knowledge, network, you know, all these other things are so important in this industry. Absolutely. Particularly, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, so how long, when did you graduate? So I graduated in, um, it was December of 1993. Okay. So there was a solid, uh, like seven, eight years of you being in your, your, you know, your degree, your path, your career before getting off that track. Correct. What, what pulled you off that track? Well, you talked about the travel. You, know, we, you didn't really was, like the work. <laughs> I mean, the short answer is: I mean, my personal life was was, yeah. was cratering. Yeah, uh, the relationship with my my girlfriend at the time and now wife was was really on the rocks. Yeah, um, well, I'm happy you recovered it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no, it, you know, just just wasn't happy. You know, we yeah. need, need, I think I think just this recognition of um, you know what what are, what are we doing? You know, yeah. what are we we're, we're I, mean, I can totally re- resonate with that. Yeah. Uh, on my path, uh, I was a commercial pilot, you know, and that spent two hundred thousand dollars with today, you know, with the interest over two hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. And to walk away from a career is tough, but at the same time, I'm, I've never been happier, and I'm, I'm probably sure you're feeling the same way with what you've done. Getting away from those. At the end of the day, if you're not doing what makes you happy, what's the point? You're exactly right, yeah. and it, it's empowering. Yeah. And frankly, I, you know, I saw guys in in in, in the consulting profession that. Yeah, they were sticking with it for the money. Yeah, and I, I just I felt you'll bad never for have them. enough. Well, and I just I think <laughs> I think they felt like they were going to get to a certain point where all this sacrifice and stuff would be worth. The clouds it. break, the, yeah. the sun rays beam it, through, the angels sing. Yeah, it won't and, happen. And it just they're going to get to <laughs> yeah. be in their sixties and look back and, and potentially have some regrets. Well, shoot. So, yeah. Yep. Um, so no, I feel I you know I was it was scary at the time, but I'm really glad. I mean, I was late twenties and. Um, yeah, in hindsight, still plenty young and naive. Yeah. And <laughs> so any, I like to focus on mentors on the show. I believe behind every great restaurant is a great person. I think the people that influence us, you know, compound on who we are over time. Um, so who, any key mentors in your life up to this point uh, before getting, you know, maybe in the IT track that yeah. are worth mentioning? Sure, sure. Now, you know, a lot of friends, a lot of family members, a lot of, lot of people along the way. There's just too many to, 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 to really, you know, I'd, I, 
I'd overlook a lot of folks. But you know, my dad has been a huge, huge influence. He's, he's, I've always really looked up to him. He's, um, yeah, I feel like he's a really smart guy. He's very pragmatic. He's been very helpful in the process. Um, what are the biggest values your dad has imprinted on you? Oh, you know, hard work, uh, responsibility, accountability. Yeah. Um, you know, try to have a good attitude. What's accountability look like? Um, yeah, you know, I push, man. Not, 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 <laughs> not putting the blame on somebody else. Yeah, owning you know? it, right? Yeah, ownership. Yeah, I, yeah, love it. I think so. Uh, you know, g- g- trying to trying to keep your chin up. You mm. know, like positive attitude. I dig it, man. Yeah. So I think this is a good spot to take our first break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to kind of dive into how you cross paths with uh, Roberto uh, and how this whole project started to evolve from here. Maybe get a little bit background story of what Roberto was doing before you came on scene would be kind of cool too. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions. No more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food cost and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5k. All right, we're back. Now you came on scene with Do- uh, Taco Deli um, after like a year and a half or a few months, you said? Or- yeah. Yeah. So, so Roberto opened up the original location in, um, and in Austin, it was November of 1999. Okay, um, I uh, dined as a, as a guest in the restaurant in, in December, so so very very soon after the first opening, uh, and uh, and fell in love with the food, and 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 Roberto and I became fast friends. And so that was the end of 1999. I was done with my consulting contract. It ended at the conveniently ended it in December of 1999, <laughs> nice. um, and trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. So at this point, you're living in Austin. I'd moved back to Austin. Okay. Yeah, I'd been there for about uh, nine months. And you're frequenting uh, Taco Deli as a guest at this point. I was. What was it about Taco Deli that drew you to it? Um, well, the quality of the food. Uh, it, it was a cool little place, you know, right right across from Barton Creek down on um, yeah, Barton Skyway and Spyglass. So, uh, you know, charming little restaurant, cool people, kind of off the beaten path. Um, but I've always been a fan of Mexican food and you know, the first time I had the food there, it was just different. It was better. It just, it, it, you, you remembered like, wow, it, it, you, you wanted to come back. Yeah. And well, what was different about it? Um, probably the quality of the ingredients, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the attention to the detail. You know, I had not had a lot of al pastor tacos. You know, I'd had a lot of steak, a lot of chicken, stuff like that. So the interior Mexican influence, and again, this is, you know, everybody has an al pastor taco now, but in the, in the late 90s, at least for me, that was a little bit unique. 
and just loved it. So the the, the flavor profiles were more um, they were they were newer and unique or things. I just more in Mexico to, City than Tex Mex. Definitely, yeah, definitely. I I was definitely you know really just kind of steeped in Tex Mex. Had not not really any exposure to any kind of interior Mexican food or any, even the influence of interior Mexico. Yeah. So what was the the dining scene in Texas in 1999? like as far i mean because i i i have no clue i was up in new hampshire during this time right i was yeah. in college so or not even college i was in high school at this point not to date you or anything like that <laughs> but um what's going on like what i mean i know there's a lot of tacos i'm sure but was it more like tex-mex style like had the influence of mexico even though it's right over the border really kind of set in to like be more authentic mexican food no i mean austin's changed so dramatically in the past 20 yeah. years um and and that you know especially on the culinary side um did the number of restaurants, the the breadth of the, the the different unique types of restaurants. I mean, it's just it's just changed dramatically. I think back to the late nineties. Um, yeah, you've had you had your Tex Mex, you had barbecue, you had a lot of good burger places, you had steakhouses, you had a lot of good restaurants. Not yeah. not to not to downplay them, um, but I don't think that the the you know the whole kind of uh, sustainability, organic kind of the foodie culture was was as 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 as, as well. Uh, I guess rooted as it is in Austin now. Yeah, I feel like uh, in the pe- '90s and the early 2000s, it was more like bottom line. More, uh, I, I feel like we got away from what food should have been to to focus on offering values. It was it was all about value, uh, bottom line value versus quality. I yeah. feel like in that period, we went through a weird time in the, in the industry. Yeah, and I, I just think people's uh, people's palates have evolved. I think people's um, willingness or enthusiasm to try new things. Um, it just seems like there's, you know, there's some more open mindedness, a greater level of awareness of yeah. all the different types of cuisine, and uh, people are more adventurous uh, when it comes to dining. Yeah. So you at this point are out of the consultancy industry. Uh, your you, you, your contracts up. Um, are you thinking I want to come to work here? Like, did you even know that this is the same um, gentleman that you were connected to when you were back in college? Did, did that even re- we had? Yeah. So no, we had we had you know I had, we had we had established that. And again, we had a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. Um, and and you know again we we it kind of made sense we were running around with with kind of the same circles of friends we just hadn't actually spent a lot of time together and so uh, once we met and and just had a chance to hang out a little bit it was kind of like like hanging out with an old friend yeah um, but no I didn't have my million dollar idea I didn't know you know I was determined to do something for myself I didn't know what it was I was looking I was looking for something to do so at what point did this even become an option like when were you going to say when did you say to yourself like I want to come work for Taco Deli well. Um, I guess it had to be like February, maybe maybe March. You know, we, we were talking back and forth. We were kind of exploring the idea, kind of kicking it around a little bit. What do those conversations look like? Um, yeah, you know, we we spent a lot of time at the Deep Empty uh, Cabaret and Bar <laughs> right there on Lake Austin, and uh, yeah, I wanted to learn about the business. You know, I I, I felt like uh, I felt like it was an, a, a unique opportunity. I, I thought I thought Roberto had a, a really, you know, I thought he'd kind of. You know, he really created something very cool and very unique. I thought it had, I thought it had some great potential, um, and it was fun. You know, it was definitely the, you know, very different from, you know, my, my previous career. Um, and I, I got to the point where I mean, I needed to do something. It was, yeah, I even started thinking about looking at, at you know, contract consulting again because I needed some money coming yeah. in. And, and that maybe was the fear, like, no, you know, just go down there and start washing dishes. Man. Yeah, <laughs> you know? just get some cash flow. Yeah, maybe put my money where my mouth was. About the, okay, if I'm going to walk away from IT, if I'm going to walk away from the consulting business am i you know am i serious am i really going to do it um and so we we didn't we didn't know it would evolve into a partnership or anything like that it was just more of like i think roberto suggested why don't you come down and like spend a week and let's just see how it goes yeah Yeah, just just try it just just 
and and that's just kind of how it was you know, for for quite a while. It was just a little bit of a give and take. We uh, we enjoyed working together, and we seemed to kind of start feeling out our strengths and where we could where we could add. So value. was it, was it the conversation a partnership even on the table at this point, or were you just looking to get a part time job? No, not at all. It so was, when you say like, let's see how it goes, you're saying like if you're even cut out for the work, exactly, not necessarily to be my partner. Yeah, no, partnership was not a, not a discussion at all. Okay, I mean, you know, I think I think you know we both were thinking longer term. If this was a great fit, you know, potentially this, could go that way. But but no, this was this was in its infancy. This was so I have, need some help. Why don't you come down and help and let's let's just see if we like working together. Yeah, I need see. help, you need cash flow. Let's let's just we like each other. Yeah. Let's. And I did it was a part time job. It wasn't it wasn't a you know enough to live off of, but it was it was subsidizing, you know, my living off my savings. Yeah. And this was so. your first restaurant gig? I mean the first one in a long time. My, my, I, as I thought back, I actually worked in, in counter service restaurants in high school and okay. stuff like that. I've never waited tables. I never really felt like I was in the hospitality business. Yeah. This is my first first job in a restaurant out, you know, since high school. Okay. So what was it like getting back into the industry, getting your, uh, <laughs> your feet wet? Maybe literally if you're yeah, on a dish pit. <laughs> I was, that's exactly right. Um, you know, it was funny. I, 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 it was different. It was, it was, it was really, it was exhilarating. It was a little scary. Um, I do remember, you know, I used, you know, you know, working for the consulting shops, you know, coincidentally, Anderson Consulting was right up the street from us. Okay. And, you know, the guys would come down for lunch and they'd head back up the hill and, like, I, don't we know you? Yeah, I saw them all come down and, and, you know, I was washing dishes and, you know, they ordered the lunch and they were leaving. I was like, gosh, I hope I've made the right decision. <laughs> uh, but it was funny. Within a few days, one of the guys, uh, was, they, we had a lot of regulars and, um, you know, we were talking and they were finishing their lunch and we're checking on how it was. And it was great. It was great. You know, and what, what are y'all going to do this weekend and stuff? And yeah. the guy was like, man, you know, y'all are having a lot of fun here, man. I got to walk back up the hill and go back to work. I wish I could just stay down here with y'all. And I was kind of like, all right, maybe. Yeah, maybe I didn't make, maybe the, right I didn't make the right choice. One so. thing we haven't done yet is kind of set up the picture of how uh, Taco Deli came to be. Yeah. Uh, Roberto's story leading up to um, before you came on scene. Yeah, uh, is there yeah. anything worth like telling Absolutely. about the story there? Yeah, no, no, I, I, and I would be remiss not to. So thank you for bringing that no, up. No problem. So, uh, so Roberto was born in Mexico City. Okay, um, lived there for the first first about ten years, um, and then moved to Austin for about a year. Um, Moved down to Harlingen, so lived in the Valley for a while. Uh, actually finished up high school there. And then he moved back up to Austin to go to University of Texas. And so if you look at, you know, on the map there, that, that kind of, that line from Mexico City to Austin, that really reflects a lot of the influence uh, that he had, you know, for, from kind of on the culinary side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they had always kind of, you know, he and his, his dad and his mom had always kind of talked about, you know, when they came up to, came up, when they first came up to Austin, they were um, underwhelmed with the local Mexican <laughs> scene. I think that he kind of jokes one of their first places they went to was a Taco Bell, oh. unknowingly. And uh, they're like, well, this is not what we were expecting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think it kind of, he loves to cook. He's, a, he's an incredible chef and, and, and um, kind of always wanted to kind of, hey, let, you know, let's kind of do the stuff that, that we're familiar with that we like. Bring that, home that, to Texas. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of, kind of um, you know, maybe expand people's horizons a little bit. Yeah. And so uh, he, he knew he wanted to be in this, in this industry. Well, he, was in, he got into wine immediately after college. So yep, he was, was he, what did he study? Do you know what his major was? Yeah, he was an English major. Okay, that's a little not what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so English major, went into wine sales. What was his trajectory? Do you know what his plan was? Did he ever experience Well, I think, I think that, that going into that wine and spirits industry in Atlanta was... was, was uh, it was a good job, but but it was a bit calculated in the sense that it was going to provide him very intimate, detailed exposure to hundreds of restaurants and yeah. bars. So so you know, 
we all like to go to bars and restaurants and stuff. You get a great perspective as a consumer, but when you can really look under the hood and, you know, if you're a vendor, you can pretty much extrapolate how somebody's doing. You have accounts that are buying way more of this or that than the other ones, then it's going to catch your eye. Yeah. Uh, and he developed all those relationships. You talked about the network and, and just, you know, learning, a, seeing a lot of examples of what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, just, you know, again, having fun, great job, you know, an excuse to be out and about in, in you know, virtually you know, many of the restaurants and bars in Atlanta, which, you know, as you know, there's, there's thousands. Uh, so it was a great kind of crash course. Um, so he was in the wine industry for at least a solid seven years, right? Before opening. So, yeah, because he, he would have graduated in 92 yep. and he opened in 99. Yeah, he was probably up in Atlanta in like 93, 98. Okay. 93, 98. I was 94, 99. So when, do you know at what point along this journey, along this timeline, he's like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, we're going to make yeah. this happen. Yeah. So he, he, he um, moved back to Austin, cashed out the 401k. He had spent a lot of time actually down in, in Cancun. Okay. Uh, working at a um, a big resort down there, uh, and getting some great experience, uh, and it was it was a place that uh, gosh, I was he cooking. The name of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So so he, and and they had their own. They had a butcher shop, and they had a bakery, and they had a uh, you know a, a, a full seafood shop. And so that sounds he great. Got a, a really good kind of a crash course, and um, you know working in commercial kitchens in a variety of different capacities. Okay. Uh, and then he was working on his business plan and trying to find locations and. Uh, raising some money and uh you know so this was all part of his plan and and um yeah i think he settled on the spyglass location and you know worked on that for probably a good chunk of 99 probably six months or i don't remember exactly how much but uh describe this first space to me was it a big space was it a small space was it counter service it was was, it's it's it's, we've always been counter service it was 720 square feet i mean it was a shoebox okay um which is good. I think it's good to start as small as possible yeah. early on uh, yeah. for a lot of reasons. Why Why was this his plan? Did, did you ever talk about why he chose to start small like this? Um, you know, well, the rent was cheap. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, it still seemed expensive at the time. But, you know, when you have that small of a space, yeah. uh, so it's a little bit lower risk, a little bit lower barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he recognized that having an opportunity to get started but not just get run over would, would be beneficial. Uh, you know, by... by Typical real estate criteria. The the, the space that that, that that he chose was most real estate agents would have advised against it. <laughs> Why is that? Do you think? Um, you know, it's it's kind of hidden. Okay. It's uh, there's not a lot of. Um, it's on a dead end street. Well, something <laughs> worked about it. Well, I mean, aside from the, the amazing food and service, what was it about the space that did work? Um, Foot traffic, maybe. You know, we were fortunate in that there were a lot of office buildings opening up around us right after we're getting started so the daytime population did you know that was going to happen um i think to a degree i mean you could you could see the construction and stuff i I don't think any of us maybe realized the extent that it would ultimately grow yeah um but it's a neighborhood location just kind of you know it's right it's right off of the green belt it's it's by hamilton's uh, or excuse me by um campbell's hole and it's uh it's a it's a it's a cool spot if you know if you're going to go down to the creek and go swim. I mean you're going to go down there, but it's not really like on your way to work or yeah, you. next to the HEB or whatever. Yeah. So so you know co tenancy and traffic generators and all those things it, it doesn't really check a lot of the boxes. Uh, but it's a beautiful space. We've got a big patio, uh, big yeah. trees. It's it's very it's very peaceful and serene. Just a, it's a cool little place. What to about hang startup out. capital? Was he putting money away with his uh, wine sales or? Uh, did, like, or did he have help from family, or did he get loans? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, so um, you know, saved money, cashed out the four hundred one k, moved in with his parents. There you go. You know, I mean, did, 
did all the things to be as economical I mean, you, you as laugh, you could. But I, at the same time, I think that's probably one of the biz- biggest mistakes people make is not getting as lean as possible Absolutely. before opening their restaurant. Because Absolutely. it's, you, you know, you, you, we focus on trying to get money in, but we don't pay attention to where the money is going once we make it. And if we can plug up as many of those holes as possible so we can put the money back into the business, then you're going to have that much better chance to, you know, come out the other end. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it just buys you time. Yeah. In other words, it's like eliminate all of your liabilities. If you can move in with your parents, if you can get rid of your car payments, if you can get rid of any, any payments, get rid of them, you yeah. know, so you can stay afloat when the times get hard and they're going to get hard. Yeah, so, absolutely. So yeah. no, it, it, um, you know, I think one of the challenges that a lot of businesses face, they can be, they can have, you can have a great business, great restaurant, great business, but if you're undercapitalized or if you, you know, if you, if you just, you know, you might get, you might get hit with some unexpected expenses. Yeah. Um, and if, you know, that can be the difference between success and failure. Yeah. Time, the longer you can be in business, the better. Exactly. And so if you can, if you can get lucky a little bit and avoid getting some big hits and, you know, getting really economize your yeah. dollars, you're going to, you're going to increase your likelihood yeah. of being successful. I mean, especially early on, one of your biggest expenses is, you know, labor, right? And yep. if you can, if you don't need a lot and you can give more, you can get that help from your people, you're going to need that help. you know, so I, I don't think we can stress it enough to, to limit your liabilities when getting started. Bootstrap but, it as long as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, let's fast forward again back to where we left off, where you were now away from your consultancy gig. Um, you're thinking about getting into the restaurant industry full time. How long were you on team or on the team before you even started having this discussion about coming on as a partner? Oh gosh, this was a conversation that took place over years. Okay, yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't fast. It was kind of a what slow year did dance. you actually get become an official partner of Taco Deli? I want to say around two thousand and three. So like four 2002. years, two thousand and two. Yeah, um, that's I should know the answer to that question. I oh, apologize. That's no, fine. Two to three it's years. It's a blur. I'm trying to get um, an idea, like a ballpark idea. Yeah. So. No. No. So so. Um, Fortunately for me, you know, Roberto did have a, a kind of a silent financial partner okay. that wanted out after a couple of years. Okay, and I wanted in, and 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 so it was very fortuitous. Yeah, know. but you mentioned that you were looking for cash. You didn't have a lot of money at this time, right? So, no, how did you no. buy him out? Uh, you-, you know, a lot of sweat equity, okay. and you know, a lot, a lot of you know, we we didn't we didn't pay ourselves a lot of money, you mm-hmm. know, at the time. Um, and and I did buy in, but but the valuation of the business based on the guy's initial investment and kind of where we were, you know, fortunately for me and unfortunately for the original investor, you know, the value was lower, uh, and so it was a combination of cash and sweat equity. Okay, so um, what was it about your involvement? Uh, maybe Roberto is the person to be asking this. What, what, what was going on? What did this relationship look like where you earned? a seat at the table or a slice of the pie? Yeah, well, great question. I think we we recognized early on that we have very complementary strengths. Okay. Uh, we, we definitely, the sum, the proverbial sum of the parts is greater than the, the individuals. Okay. So, um, Get into know, that relationship and how you guys complement each other. Well, Roberto's an incredible chef. He's super creative. Um, for a long time, you know, the kitchen, the re- and still the you know we, we have a great team, right? Yeah. We, we've grown a lot, so there's a, there's so many people that, that help make this happen. But but back then, you know, in the early days, we were, we were a much smaller group. Um, we just kind of gravitated to areas where either our interests or our strengths kind of kind of lay. So Roberto, you know, we he would kind of handle the kitchen, I kind of handle the front. Okay, he would kind of handle the, the the supplier and vendor relationships. The, again, the creativity, the menu design, the He's really the face of the business, um, and and you know I kind of help more on on some of the, you know maybe some of the accounting, QuickBooks, some things like that. Okay. But, you know, 
a gross oversimplification because I'm not an accountant, but you know, I, you know, if he's the chef and I'm kind of more on the the numbers, on the, the a, little, deep, a yeah. little bit, yeah, yeah. Like a little more on the business side, a little bit. So, what are um, your strengths? Just, just list, list your strengths. Like, what you know, where do mean, you shine within the business? You know, I think the 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 value that I I hope that I bring to the business, um, you know, the the collective experience that I I gathered from eating out full time for five years. Um, I think gave me perspective a perspective on what what a consumer is really going to be looking for in the restaurant, you know, in their experience at the restaurant. Um, you know, I, I try to be fiscally responsible. I, I, I'm a thinker. I plan a lot. I, I you know, I, I, I try to, uh, you know, I'm 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 risk tolerant, but I'm also I try to be. I try to find ways to mitigate risk. Mm. Um, you know, so I might, I might do some more, more, maybe some things that some some people might feel maybe a little bit more the boring side of the yeah. business. Uh, but we have we have a lot of fun with what we're doing. Yeah, we definitely have a lot of, of complementary and, 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 and similar strengths. You know, we have a real passion for the industry. We, we we have a lot of fun. We like people. We like we like eating. We like drinking. We like having a good time. Yeah. Um, and so we have a lot of confidence in each other. And we've worked together long enough that there are numerous examples where. I can say, you know, had I done this by myself, I would have made this choice. And I'm so glad you talked me out of it. <laughs> give me one of those. Give me like the biggest example. Oh, gosh. Uh, there's too many. There's too many. But a funny one is is um, our best-selling breakfast taco is, is called the Otto. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a refried black bean, uh, cheese, bacon, and avocado. Is that served all day? Uh, it's just uh, all day on weekends. Okay, good. Just, I'll get one before we leave. Yeah, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll make sure we get one for you. Nice. Um, it, it's it's funny because it's our it's our best on breakfast taco. It doesn't even have eggs in it. Okay, um, and it's it's named after our good friend Paul Otto, and he would come in all the time and order these things. And um, Roberta wanted to put it on the menu, and I was like, man, it's just a bean and cheese taco with bacon avocado. Like that, what's so special about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I, I'm glad we didn't do a royalty deal with Paul because we right? a lot of money. <laughs> um, but no, a lot of examples. There's a lot of examples. That's yeah. just one that, that we kind of joke about that comes to mind. But but yeah, when you when you have those experiences with your partner, then you you you, you gain so much confidence in, in in you're like, yeah, this we're actually we're much better off doing this together. Yeah. So one thing I picked up and I'm really curious about uh, in my research before coming in today is that well, I'll just say this. I've noticed that a lot of successful brands that I had the privilege to speak with are successful because they focus on doing one thing really well. And I kind of think you alluded to that even in your opening quote, right? To you know, do one thing, focus on one thing really well and, yeah. and be in your own league. Um, but you guys have a really big menu, right? But it's, yeah. it's also expanded over the years. You've gotten more yeah. complex over the years. And at first glance, I would say that's, that's not the way to go. But I'm wrong because you're making it work. Well, so we're we're kind of sorry for the interruption. We're no, we're, we're kind of pack rats, I think. On so we, whenever we do a menu meeting, we we're very good at adding things to it, and then we're bad about taking <laughs> away. And so that's something that we're trying to do a better well, job. Well, I'm with. curious about what your process looks like because whatever you're doing, uh, it is a it is a an expansive menu compared to some other concepts, taco concepts, right? Sure. Um, why is it that? what your approach of having a lot of options why is it working well for you what is, what is it about what you do in your process makes it work well it's a good, it's a good question i mean you know one thing that comes to mind if you look at it from a consumer's perspective greater variety provides greater opportunities to come dine with us yeah right you know love to go eat a cheeseburger but i'm not going to eat one every day yeah um hopefully we can give people a reason to come in you know Twice a week, as opposed to once a week, or something. You know, it, depending on if they want to be indulger, if they want to be healthy, if they want a salad, or if they want you know want a taco. Um, 
I think from a business perspective, you you know, if you can do it successfully, it does kind of back to that. Don't just be the best at what you do. Be the only one who does mm. what you do. Like if someone was going to get started right now and say, we're going to go do a, a menu with 40 tacos and we're going to have seafood and pork and steak and chicken and veggie. And we're going to really excel on all of those. Um, you know, it's expensive to, to source that inventory. And if you don't sell it, you're in, you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, so the ability to have a, a high volume business where, where, you know, fortunately, there's enough demand for that breadth of offering on the menu. Um, yeah, positions is a little better, maybe, to, yeah. to, you know, compared to some of our competitors. Well, what I'm curious about, and something that I picked up on, is that there seems to be a story behind most of your menu items. Like, you know what I mean? There's, like, you have the auto, right? Because yeah. this guy came in, and now there's a, probably a sense of identity to that. You're, you're not just throwing things on the menu. You're very thoughtful about it, right? No, and the, and the genesis of a lot of this is, 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 is recipes that Roberto ate growing up in, yeah. in Mexico City. Yeah, my mom is a great cook, and... Um, that's reflected in these recipes. Yeah. Um, you know, as we've grown, you know, we, we like to say, you know, we're, we're kind of rooted in, in authenticity, uh, but distinguished by creativity. Mm. Right. So we, 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 de- we're never going to stray too far, you know, from, from our Mexican roots. Um, but, you know, we live in Austin and, you know, again, people are adventurous diners and, and, you know, we want to take a few liberties or maybe stretch, you know, th- the traditions a little bit, but not just turn them on yeah. their heads. So what, what were, the, those early days, like, were you guys? Did you guys have lines out the door? Or was it cranking, or would something happen where you slowly picked up uh, business over time? Uh, take us through the evolution. Yeah, so it was it was gradual, um, and then it did. It seemed like all of a sudden we had big lines. I mean, it, 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 it you know, how long did it take to get to that point? A couple of years, I guess. So you um, were there when this transition started to happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, getting back then, um, you know, getting a review in the Austin American Statesman, you know, that that I mean, you. Yeah. Instantly saw traffic. Yeah, um, you know we we were featured in Texas Monthly, and and that was amazing. The the influence that 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 one article had as far as awareness for us, um, but it was mostly word of mouth. Um, you know we kind of keep our heads down, uh, just really try to focus on serving good food and 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 and, and doing it with genuine enthusiasm and relationship building with our guests and with the community. I mean, you were the numbers guy. What did that percentage growth look like? We hardly had time, honestly, to, <laughs> to, you, to do it. You know, you'd work all day at the end of the night, the people, pay yeah. the bills. You yeah. know, uh, every once in a while, I'd do a little Excel spreadsheet that would show us, you know, year over year growth. And, and they were it was it was a great, great chart to look at. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, but now, you know, it, a lot of it really was just. You know, one of the things I really like about the business it's it's kind of a it's kind of free enterprise and capitalism in 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 one day. You know, we 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 wake up. You know, we buy a lot of raw materials. We assemble a product. We sell it. Hopefully, we count the money, and then we do it again. Yeah, and and so it's it's just there's something very real to it. You're know, mm. getting out, you know, from IT and ones and zeros and the digital world to getting go closer to, go, to the work. Yeah, going yeah. to something that's so and and that's something that's so uh, ubiquitous amongst all cultures and and you know everybody eats and sharing yeah. a meal with somebody is just so it's just just such a it's such a core part of yeah. I'm happy that you're 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 pointing this out because I feel like if everywhere we look. You know, when we're when we're talking about how to scale a business and how to become successful in business, you see the same things over and over again. Like, don't work in your business, work on your business, right? Mm-hmm. And like systems, processes, procedures, and all these things to scale. But at the end of the day, um, there's something to be said about working in your business. There's something to be said about being close to the work. Sure. Uh, and there's something to be said about appreciating the work because that I mean that's why you got into it in the first place, right? So yeah. I kind of hesitate when I hear all these people say, get away from the work and work on your business. Well, then why did you open the restaurant in the first place? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, why can't you just be happy with, you know, 
11 locations, not necessarily. Why, why do you have to go to 500? You yeah. know, like what's, what's, what's going on here? Why do you hate the work so much? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you need to do both, right? I mean, I, I, you can see examples of people that get blinders on and, and I think that long-term their restaurant can suffer if they're, if they're not able to kind of get up yeah. and see it. But I think you see more examples, like you said, of people who are quickly very far away from it and kind of removed or, yeah. or if they, you know, I wish I could remember who told me this, but, um, it said you were either in the restaurant business or you were in the business of restaurants. Yeah. Right. And so if you're in the business of restaurants, you're going to be maybe a little bit more financially and spreadsheet driven and <laughs> yeah. design a concept and things like that and study, you know, if you, if you know, I, I kind of look at it, I think we're, we're definitely in the, we're in the restaurant business. Yeah. So you are at 11 locations now, six, was it six in Austin? Uh, Break that down for me one more yeah, time. Yeah, so six in Austin, yep. four, four in Dallas, and, and then one, uh, one in Houston. One in Houston. Yeah. Take us through the years, biggest challenges, um, the hardest lessons learned chronologically, like the sure. evolution. Like sure. Where, where was, so you guys got open, you, you joined the team, um, you guys got some great reviews, the lines were getting longer. What were some of the hardest hurdles to get over in those early days? You know, um, growing is always hard. Right, um, you, you, you start, you know, finding finding great help is is hard. You know, yeah. uh, managing food costs; those, those are all kind of givens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think one of our big early challenges was just going from from one restaurant to two, opening the second location. And that was in two thousand and five, and um, gosh, I was I was terrified. I mean, yeah. I, I was the naysayer, like, no, 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 we're not ready, we're not ready. Why? Not why ready. did you think you're ready? Um, I didn't feel like we had the team built at the time. I didn't feel like. You know, I thought it was going to be a risk of taking our eye off the ball on the, mm. the existing location. Um, probably too risk averse. Yeah, but you, you know, did do it, and you're here today. So, yeah. what, were you ready? Um, probably not. <laughs> well, I don't know that you're ever really ready. Yeah, right. Yeah, but you so. gotta, I mean, it's in the, those areas of discomfort that you grow the most, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's funny. Like the the yeah, in hindsight, it was all easy. You know, or maybe, but but no, it was it. it Roberto made a good point. Like when he when he opened the first restaurant, he was sharing a conversation with his sister, and she's like, "You're not ready." And he's like, "I don't have a choice. Yeah, we, we've got to get the doors open. We're never going to be 100 percent ready." So, what did that evolution go. of getting or not being ready for two locations, but doing it anyway? And how did you get to the point where you know it was kind of mayhem to controlled and organized mayhem to okay, now we're ready for a third? Yeah, well, we didn't do the third one for another five years. Yeah, I like <laughs> so, that. Um, but no, you know, we, we, we work, work real hard. We, we spend a lot of time in those restaurants. Um, you know, it was all hands on deck. You know, the, the, you know, everybody contributed. My, my wife was working up there. You know, friends, family, like, come on up and help. You yeah. yeah. So, What were the biggest challenges with, with going from one to two? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, you got to raise money. Um, we were fortunate. We were able to get an SBA loan, which is okay. really unusual for, for the restaurant Harder world. to do today. Harder to do. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, again, some of it was, the naivety was probably a good thing. It just, you know, maybe not, maybe underestimated what it would take. Um, our, our, our second location was about 10 miles up the road from our original location. Far, far enough away to not really do too much cannibalization, but but one of the things I was surprised about when we first opened is a lot of people in North Austin didn't know about the first one. Oh, really? I've like, been down there for years. <laughs> it's only ten well, minutes. I feel like in in cities like like you know communities tend to be kind of isolated. Uh, it's like the, the the bridge effect. Yeah, You're like you don't want to go over the bridge, right? Yep. Um, and there is you were on the south side, right? Yep, we were on so the there south was side of the bridge. River. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. uh, this was before the domain was even built i mean we kind of knew it was coming yeah. but so it was just very different um yeah. but no it was it was hard you know we were inconsistent uh 
you know, as you, as you, you know, we struggle with communication as we grow. Um, we, we struggle with sourcing. How did you, you know? overcome those, those, those hurdles of communication? You know, it wasn't as hard with two or three stores. It's, it's almost something, you know, now it's almost more pronounced. Mm. Um, you know, for a long time, you can just run around to the restaurants and talk to everybody. Yeah. And then, you know, that, that reality gets outstripped, especially okay. when you go into a new market. Um, but no, we're, that's something we constantly are trying to do better at. So take us in between, uh, Tour, store two and three when you said you had a five year gap yeah um so you had a, a, about five years four years from one to two yep and then you had another like five year gap between two and three what things changed in the business to get you to the point where you're like all right we're ready for three and maybe you didn't think you're ready for three either now we we were at least in my mind I, I think we were all a lot more confident why um experience how, i mean okay. we've been we've been doing this how did the business change what things did you do to the business to make it ready i think the longer your restaurant is open as long as you're continuing to be present and invest be, and work hard on it, um, you know, you're going to get more stability, right? And so, we, we, you know, as I mentioned before, and I'm, not, I'm not doing as good a job on this on emphasizing the importance of the team mm. that, that makes all this happen. So, so to reiterate, I am a representative of a huge group of, of hardworking men and women that, that, frankly, there's absolutely no way we could do this without. Okay. Right? And so... When you get out of the way and allow those folks to really shine, um, there's a certain point where we're, we're almost kind of like, well, I'm almost kind of bored now. Like we got, you know, we, we, I, I don't feel like I'm overwhelmed. I don't feel like I'm, yeah. you know, behind the curve all the time. And we have all these hardworking and, and, and ambitious people. And I, I, you know, it was time to open a third restaurant. Take we knew, me through we, that we process of getting your people ready. Like what did they, like you said, you, you couldn't do it without your team. You weren't ready getting into store number two, but over the next four to th- four years, you, you were ready for three. So that means you must have empowered these people. You must have set these people up for success. What did that look like? Well, I think, I think part of it was, you know, we hit a level of fatigue and, and just, you know, the first thing you do, at least for me, is like, I just, I got to rest a little bit. Like yeah. this is hard. Um, now remember when we opened that second store, I think we probably all worked sixty or seventy or eighty days straight. Mm. I mean, just no no real time off. And um, you know, whether you want to or not, you almost have to depend on your team at that point. Yeah, uh, and that allows everybody to do their own thing. You yeah. know, and, and just and really get their confidence and 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 their experience right. So again, we when we looked around and we're like, we've got we've got people in these restaurants that could manage restaurants but we don't have enough restaurants we don't have enough places for them to go mm. um, and that just makes you feel wonderful yeah <laughs> so, I mean if, if you're like gosh I, if I just had one more place I could I could have a, a, a home and allow these people to continue to grow with the company yeah you know and so so we were real fortunate um, you know a lot of times too people will you look at your growth as a, as a percentage of the number of restaurants you have right so if you're going from one restaurant to two well you're doubling right yeah you're going from three on a basis of two well that's a 50% you know yeah and so it's it's different, you know. The the how many are you trying to grow into based on how many you have right now, and it was easier to go from two to three, right? We had we put a restaurant right between the two that we had. We were able to, you know, rely on help from each of the existing restaurants, whether that was staffing or just, hey, can you loan me some? I'm out of chips or I'm out of tortilla, like yep. something, you know, just to help each other out. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it, as you can imagine, it's it's. You know, opening, uh, yeah, like right now we have 11 restaurants. When we open the 12th one, that's one on a basis of 11. It's still going to be hard. Yeah. But it's different than one on a basis. percentage of growth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I got you. So, so when you, let's take it a year after opening the second location, right? Uh-huh. Um, you wouldn't have been ready for three 
at a year after the second location, would you have been? No. So what did what changed in your business between a year after opening the second location and a year before opening the third location? Paint the pictures of your business in each one of those time frames. Well, we were paying down debt, right? So the, just the, the ability to, to have the money to open a restaurant, you know, you, you, it takes time to do that. Yeah. Um, our systems were evolving, you know, and I don't remember... You know, like when we opened, we did it. We were a paper-based, handwritten tickets. Uh, we didn't even take credit cards. I mean, it was it was you know, again, it was a long time ago. Um, you know, flash forward nine years after opening the first one, you know, we we had invested in a point of sale system, and we had more data, and we had you know we had better help on the accounting and the finance front. You know, we we had more people, the yeah. more people that could help. You know, just so you, we were building a bigger team. Okay. And that's, that's probably. You know, again, maybe the confidence goes up. You know, from a from a demand side, you know, the awareness in Austin is growing. Um, you know, having having a restaurant on the north side of town and the south side of town makes it easier to open one in the middle. Yeah, what two things that you said uh, up to this point that I think are really important when it when it comes down to growth. You identified first the people, the team. Mm-hmm. You grew your team. Your team was ready. There was opportunity. You didn't have a place for these people to go. The second thing that you just identified that's really important is you were paying off your debt. Uh, I think two things determine growth: cash flow and people. Yeah. Um, and until you get the cash flow there to you know sustain the third business or whatever or whatever that looks like, um, and you had the people to go into the third business, then don't even think about it. Especially in today's market where there's such a, like a starvation for good people. Like, don't grow until you have the people there to support the growth and the cash flow to support the growth. Is yeah. that kind of what you were waiting for? Yeah, and again, I mean, I like to. It's it. It sounds great in hindsight. Part of it was fatigue. You know? Yeah, we just we we didn't have the the, the energy to go. Right so out. maybe somebody's listening to this right now who's burnt out, and they have people on their team um, that they recognize as you know maybe having the chops to to take on more. Mm-hmm. What did that process of you offloading responsibility look like? Well, tough questions, man. I don't ask these. Yeah, ones. yeah, no, no. It's a great question. I mean. I guess the way I look at it is, and I've told folks this before, you know, in the consulting world, the, the, the way you advance, it's a pyramid structure, right? And, and so the top of the pyramid, you have the principals, you know, the kind of the, the guys that have been there the longest, the guys that are doing the selling and the relationships with the clients. The middle of the pyramid, you have managers who are managing potentially, potentially multiple projects. And then at the bottom of the pyramid is the widest one. That's your staff level. It's where you're the, the greatest number of people, the, the, the entry level folks or yep. the near term folks in the business. And the way you climb that pyramid is, is if you're a manager, you say you have 100 things you've got to do, rank them from 1 to 100, right? And take the least important things that you do, five of them or 10 of them or whatever, and train the person that's beneath you on the ladder how to do those things. Mm. And it, it does two things. It, it lightens your load, and you're getting rid of some stuff that maybe you're just so routine at it's not as exciting anymore. But it, it might be new territory for someone that hadn't had a chance to do this. So, so you're, you're just you're bringing people along. Yeah. And, and so... We did kind of the same thing, you know. Yeah. You know, what can I? What's my comfort level of handing off a responsibility? Yeah. And and you know, again, some of that's driven by necessity, and some of it's driven by desire. Yeah. And stuff you like just that. mentioned something that's super key, and I want to make sure that the, our listeners heard it. Is the power? I mean, they talk about this in the E Myth, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The power of writing out your organizational chart. Mm-hmm. And getting everybody on the chart with responsibilities, right from the very top to the like, so like mapping out the people in your in your organization, the the hierarchy of it, and then also listing the responsibilities, the, which you mentioned. Get all, and the, what then? What can you start like 
literally like delegating, like writing these things out. Like, what do I not need to do? And what, what are the strengths of the people on in, in my hierarchy? Where can I start putting these responsibilities? And then write those things next to their name, yeah. so they know that they're responsible for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that in itself, just just making the list and getting it on paper, the hierarchy and the list of responsibilities in itself in scaling is so 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 valuable. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's only two or three names in all the boxes, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that's the reality. Everyone yeah. wears a lot of hats. Yeah, but it does. Yeah, it helps you stay organized. Yeah, it's and just the, the visual aid. That way, like things will drift. You can't keep track of all that in your head. Right. You got to get it on paper. You got to cement it some way somehow. And that you can change it, but not until after you've changed it on paper, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, anything else that we can pull from that 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 time, that awkward moment from a two to three? You know, again, our confidence was growing. The team was growing. It seemed like you know, again, when you repeat something and then you get to repeat it again, you know, you just it's it should be a little easier. Yeah, it should be so. Any other big challenges during those that period uh, in the the, the mid two thousands? Um, to help you get set up for greater scaling? You know, I'm sure there are tons of them. I'm sure there are tons of them. I mean, you know, we went through some, you know, there there were economic ups and downs. Mm. I think we found out we were fortunate with our price point and our model breakfast and lunch only and, the recession might have helped you. Really did. I mean, <laughs> yeah. people people still go out to lunch. Uh, they yeah. just maybe trade down a little bit. So, yeah. uh, but that's scary when you're in a, a, a you know heavy IT tech based town and mm-hmm. you know you have the disruption of two thousand, disruption of you know seven oh eight, yeah, oh nine, two thousand ten. I mean, so so you know, there's some macro level stuff yeah. that, that give you some heartburn. Um, but no, you know, again, the the support of the community um, and the hard work of the team. You know, we're just we're really really fortunate. I mean, yeah. really, there's just there's I I. I I'd sure love to take all the credit, but it, that's, yeah. just, that's just not true. You know? I love, so in the first 10 years, you guys doubled from, or for the first five years, you doubled, and then you went from two to three in the first 10 years. And then over the past 10 years, you've doubled twice again. Yeah. So what were the unique challenges to going from three to six and then six to 11? Well, a big part of that was going outside of our, of our home base, right? Yeah. So, so that's a its own set of inherent when challenges. When did that happen? Um, so we opened up the first, actually, it's this this one right here that was uh, almost uh, this October of 2015. Okay. Yeah. So, gosh, so location four happened five years after location three. Yeah. So we, so, so uh, yeah, we opened uh, location number three in 2010. Okay. And then at that point, you know, if someone is smarter than I am, was like, look, if you're going to keep growing... Don't just open a restaurant and then react and build your back office to support that. Figure out how many restaurants you want to build. Invest in your back office. You're above restaurant support. Your your entire team, and then go do it. Why that way? Um, probably just it makes more sense. What do you mean by invest in your back office? What's that look like? Build the team that can handle. So we, we said we want to have ten restaurants. Okay, let's build the team that can support ten restaurants, and let's go build those restaurants. Let's not do number four and then build a team that can support four. Then kind of back to what I was saying before, like build your cash, your people and your cash flow first and then your, your physical infrastructure. Yeah. So you were focusing on putting your energy into the people you would need to scale from three to 12 or 11. It, correct. Correct. Okay. So on the, um, yeah, evolving into a more mature business. What's that process look like of investing in your people and your back office? Like how did you grow those people? Well, um, one of the one of the most uh, influential additions to the team was Scott Grossfeld, and and Scott is our chief operating officer, is our ch- chief financial officer as well. Um, and coincidentally, I've known him since first grade. We were actually both grew up here in Dallas, nice. and um, 
we bumped into each other right around the time that I had that we had opened up the third location, and Scott was running an independent uh, accounting practice, and. We, it was funny. We met. We, we were both gassing up at the same place. He's like, we kind of wrecking each other. We were obviously a lot older. A lot of time had passed. But uh, Scott said, hey, you know what? We'd get together. I'd love to talk. I just opened up my, my, my business. And I naively assumed that he wanted to talk to me about advice on growing. <laughs> and we sat down. He's like, no, I was thinking of you as a client. <laughs> oh. Um, and so we started working. And, and he helped us on kind of fraud analysis and prevention and, and uh, tightening up our books and things like that. And so... He's, a, he's an example of somebody that we would not have hired had we not had the plans to grow into a certain size. And, and actually, he was just working for us. On a, you know, we were only just a client of his for a long time. And he was, you know, it was only after we really started getting our legs. We opened up our fourth and our fifth location in 2014. And that was a little bit of a test to see like, how quickly can we do these. Um, so but, which, but, what boxes did you check um, from... 2010 to the third location to the 2014 where you opened two more locations. What you got the back office, right? You, you hired an accountant. You, we we um, brought yeah. So so we brought the accounting function. Or at least we were we were much more reliant upon Scott. And, and I'm trying to remember when he made the this the switch to full time at Taco Deli. I should again might forgive me on the dates. No, you're here. fine. Um, but no, no. We, you know we were um, we were we were continuing to cultivate the relationship with our with our bank our bankers. And, we're, we always try to pay our pay our debts down early, so we would retire that debt, so they were willing to loan us some more money. Yeah, um, but no, you know, you try to think. You know, we we couldn't afford. We had a you know at the time we had a, a and we still do a kind of a not a full time director of real estate, but a, but a part time director of real estate, and that and that role kind of scales with our growth. That's, okay. that's Nate Nickerson. He's he's a great guy. And, so you, um, so you, yeah, we were just kind of adding members to the team. Yeah, you know, and and and. and conjunction with and anticipation of our growth. So you identified some of these roles when you're talking about building out the back office. You're, yeah. you're building back office employees. So you, you, you identify you needed the accountant. You yep. needed the location uh, specialist. Yep. Uh, what other roles did you need that uh, a scaling company should have? You know, we, what we, did you identify? We've... You know the HR side of it, yeah. uh, and again, we, when we started with these, these were typically positions that we would contract out, or we, you know, there's 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 a lot of great resources for kind of emerging, growing brands that don't have the resources to bring someone in in house full time, yeah, but that can provide a, a much level, much greater level of support than what we can do on our own. Yeah, Gusto, um, one of our sponsors, there is uh, HR right there. Like you can't afford a full time person, let Gusto get you somewhere in between. You yeah, know? yeah, that's exact. So so you know the traditional, you know, you think about you know. We need marketing help. We need IT help. We need HR support. Um, you know, we've, gosh, for everyone's listening, forgive me that I'm, whoever I'm overlooking. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But no, we were trying to kind of fill out a traditional org chart, and, and we're still not quite there. You know, it's, it's, so we still have a lot of people that kind of wear, yeah. wear multiple hats. Yeah. But, but, you know, the, as we grow and the bigger we get, we do have, we evolve into more specialized roles. And, and hopefully when we look at the org chart, we don't have quite as many of the same names in all the boxes. So. Any other things that you can bring to the conversation that you know you did right, or maybe it was a challenge that you think a lot of people will face, that you face, that you've overcome? Now's the time to get it out. You know, it sounds cliched, but but the hard work uh, is is a huge part of it. I mean, it's also let's be honest: is there's some good luck. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's part of it too. Um, positive attitude. You know, I mean, just things are going to be okay. I mean, <laughs> I think luck is a thing. I think. For example, just happening to come across somebody who happens to uh, compliment you well. I think that's the, luck, the luckiest thing that can happen to you in this industry is finding your, the yin to your yang. The sure. person that, like, that 
that is just as passionate, who has this, the same vision, who desires the same things and completes you. Yeah. Um, finding that person is, is the most lucky thing that can happen to you in this industry because you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. So I agree with that. But at the same time, you can increase your odds by doing the things that you're saying, staying positive, being like, you know, just you're going to attract onto yourself more people, you know, putting, yeah. put it out into the universe, what it is you want. So other people know and they can glom onto you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, what other stuff? Uh, persistence. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, a passion for what you do. You know, if you're not, if you're not, if your heart's not in it, right, it's not going to likely not going to work. It's going to be a lot harder. Um, confidence, Mm -hmm. you know, how did you build confidence? Because you couldn't have been that confident in the early days. Uh, you know, we stay, try to stay focused on the fundamentals and the core things that, that make us successful. You know, we, we, we've always kind of said we want, when we, we, when we look at growth, we say, well, you know, why do we want to grow? How do we do this? And it's like, we like to share our food. We eat it every day. We're real proud of it. And we like the culture, you know, that hopefully we're able to continue to maintain, build and maintain. We like the relationships with the community, uh, the communities that we serve. And so when we look at the growth and say, okay, well, what's working in these restaurants right now? We have an actual track record. We have stuff that's, that's real, right? It's not just, it's not just theoretical. And we try to replicate that in, 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 in other neighborhoods or other parts of the, you know, yeah. other cities. Um, and so, yeah, you, you do gain some confidence over time and that I, we know what we're doing. We've done this. We're, yeah. we're this, we're not, we're not, we're not the new guys. We may be the new guys in town, but, but we, we know what we're doing or it. at least we've, We've made so many mistakes. We know what yeah, not to do. Exactly, right? Uh, perhaps more importantly. Right. Uh, I've loved this conversation, Eric. We wrap up every free-flowing portion of the chat by me asking you, uh, and I'll remind you of the mission statement, is to inspire, empower, and then transform the restaurant industry. Uh, but how have you transformed? Who are you today? Who is the Eric today uh, in 2020 versus the man you were in 2000, zero, zero, whatever, zeros? <laughs> Uh, older and uh, you know gray hair and less of it, um, but um, you know no, uh, how is I how have I transformed? Um, I like to think in in in, in <laughs> this is kind of an obvious answer. I hope that the negative attributes that I had in in you know in my late twenties and stuff I've grown out of. What were those attributes? Oh, probably uh, I was probably more irresponsible. Um, probably maybe a little bit overconfident. Um, yeah. Uh, probably pretty naive. Um, so you're more, maybe, maybe, you're more maybe, humble maybe, today. Yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, maybe, maybe a little, yeah, and probably try to be more thoughtful. I love it. Great. One more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to bust out a speed round. Great. I'm sure you felt it before, right? That pressure, that intense pressure to have your restaurant website on point. But you should have that pressure. You should feel this way because your restaurant website is so important. It is your first impression and it represents your entire brand. But here's the thing. You're not a web developer. You're a restaurant owner. So how can you be held to these standards? Well, with Bento Box, that's how. Bento Box empowers you to own your presence, profit, and guest relations, all with full support, integration, and analytics. And here's something that's really great about Bento Box is that it prioritizes website accessibility. So with Bento Box, you can get a certified accessible restaurant website that follows ADA guidelines and supports your business because this is how you show your people you care. Beyond that, Bento Box websites drive 70% more traffic. They see seven times more conversions and get five times return on investment. What else can I say? Well, how about over 
5,000 restaurants in all 50 states and around the world are using this platform with its suite of tools. Head over to getbento.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you'll save 50% off your setup. Again, that's getbento, G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O.com slash unstoppable. Let's get real. Grease is a fact of life in any commercial kitchen. But with the grease fighting power of Dom Professional Manual Pot and Pan from P&G Professional, you'll clean more dishes in every sink compared to leading private label. Dom Professional has the power you need to fight tough grease and get those squeaky clean dishes you're looking for. With long-lasting suds that clean up to 58% more dishes per sink and reduce sink changeovers by 35%, saving you up to 6,000 gallons of hot water per year versus private label, it's no wonder Don Professional is the number one dish detergent in the U.S. P&G Professional's complete restaurant cleaning program includes products, equipment, and 24-7 service to deliver a noticeable clean that will keep your patrons coming back time and time again. To learn more, go to www.pgpro.com and experience the grease-fighting power of Don Professional dishwashing liquid. You can find Don Professional at Sam's Club or by visiting samsclub.com slash Don Professional. Now go get it. We're back. And the first question I have for you is, what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Um, we touched on this a little bit earlier. And, and uh, you know, I, I said the give a shit factor. And, and yeah. that's, a, that's a, a phrase I picked up from a good friend of mine. But uh, I think the care, you know, again, that's, that's the cleaner version of the same thing. Yeah. But uh, with everything that we do, you know, we really, we want to put it, we want to, we want to put our all into it and, 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 um, you know, I want when our guests come into the restaurants and I want them to feel that we truly care. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're in the hospitality business. We, we, we're grateful that, that they're supporting us and, and we want them to, to feel that. What is your biggest weakness? Um, there are many, but uh, <laughs> I probably overthink things. I can, you know, uh, overanalyze stuff or, or, or get in my head a little too much probably. How are you overcoming that? Um, well, recognizing it was just just as part of it, uh, you know, having confidence in, in all the people around me, mm. um, and uh, you know, again, we're we're doing it for twenty years now. There's some of the things we've you see patterns. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting into that hole again. I hope so. Yeah, yeah I hope so. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah, it, it's it's hard. It's yeah. hard. I mean, it, it it can it can be. I think it's helpful. I think it can be advantageous. I, sometimes I think people don't think enough about the future and right. enough do do enough planning. Yeah, uh, I can oftentimes probably find myself doing too much of it. I hear you. What is one thing you're looking for when you when you're growing your team? When you're getting new people on the team, what are you looking for? What questions are you asking? You know, I'm, I'm, if someone could figure out the right questions to answer that would predict the success or failure of someone in the restaurant business, they're going to be very successful. <laughs> right. Cause I've thought there were people are going to be great and, and they weren't, you know, just one for them. And there's some people that maybe I thought it would be a challenge for them and they really nailed it. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think, I think we look for, for, you know, me and just a little personality. Yeah. What is one of your biggest challenges today? Um, responsibly growing the business, um, labor, pressures commodity pressures there's a lot of the givens that all restaurateurs face how are you overcoming that um well we've 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 you know it's it's like two or three percent unemployment right now so that's just as hard right yeah on the on the on the the employment side we hope that we uh offer a compelling reason for people to come work for us as far as either 
you know, ideally the nature of the work, but but benefits. So, you know, we we do um, you know we do tuition reimbursement. We have four hundred one ks. We have paid time off. Like we really take we care of your people. Great benefits. I mean, yeah. our benefits will compete with 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 you know yeah. the other industry. So you know, we differentiate ourselves. That yeah, way. it's interesting because uh, you know the market's only getting more and more competitive with all the retail space that's going away, mm-hmm. and these developers needing to find something to put into these spaces. Now you're seeing food halls. I just had uh, Kolsum um, Clavon on the show talking about the. Uh, expansion of food halls throughout the nation, and this is yeah. only going to take up more market. You know, like it's going to take up more. You know, it's going to create more jobs, but there's not. There's already a shortage of people to fill these roles in the jobs, right? So yeah. it's like, I think what's going to end up happening is it's like if if you're not taking care of your people, if you're not, if your culture is not strong, if you're not, you're just not going to exist. Like, there's going to be a lot of restaurants just dropping out. So yeah, there's, there's frankly right now there's there's more restaurants than there are people. It's yeah. a super competitive time in the industry. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. So share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. What is one of your core values, a way to be, a way to act? Be yourself. I love it. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within the four walls of your businesses, a way to go above and beyond, but not common within the industry. We really encourage the development and the cultivation of relationships mm. with our guests. Genuine. Genuine. You know, take, take, How do you take, encourage that? You know, take the initiative to, to reach out and get to know them. I love it. Talk to them. They're just welcome them. What is, what is one book that's a must-read for any restaurant owner or operator? The Richest Man in Babylon. What's the biggest lesson from that book? Fiscal responsibility. Mm. What is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? I think this is a challenge that anybody in any in, within your own industry that you face is the ability to get out beyond the fog and kind of the vapor of the issues that are specific to that industry and be able to step up and really see the macro level perspective. Yeah. I'm happy you said that cuz I think that we are so short-sighted in this industry and beyond that maybe in more than more so in other industries very reactive. We yep. react to the market, and I think it's dangerous how much we react to the market because yep. we don't see the bigger picture. Yep. Um, I mean, there's a countless examples of how we're just reacting, reacting, reacting because we're in a fear-based reaction. Yeah. Um, but we're reacting ourselves in the corners, and uh, I think you saw it when how we broke the food system. You know, like mm. we're just going cheaper, 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 and now everybody's getting sick. What's going on with that? You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I'm happy you said that. Yeah. Um, name one service you've hired or outsourced you already mentioned your attorney friend or your attorney your accountant friend yeah but are there any other services out there um that you're going to to outsource uh, a portion of your business or uh, yeah expertise? so so we we recently did a, a big project with the butler brothers in okay. austin and they helped us update you know our, our graphics our did a little polish on our logo for us okay. um basically the, the menu branding you know, yeah Help. We have a brand book now. <laughs> nice. And that was the Butler Brothers. The Butler Brothers. Beautiful. I'll be yeah, sure to link to that. They're great great guys. Beautiful. And uh, what is one piece of technology you've recently adopted into your business that's had a huge impact? You'll laugh at this one, and it's not recent adaptation, but it is a clipboard. Oh, so what do you, what do you mean, like an actual physical, like right on clipboard? And I say that just partly in jest, but, but <laughs> um, you know, I think the marriage of food and technology is fraught with risk. And and um, we obviously rely on technology. It, it makes it, it. It goes back to my old consulting deals. Like it augments and supports our business. Yeah. So, so for labor and scheduling, time and attendance, a point of sale, all the data that we can have, like it's invaluable. Like we couldn't do, we couldn't go back to handwriting tickets and things like that. But you know, we're 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 in the 
hospitality business and we serve food. So what do you mean and by the – you're talking about the actual clipboard. I'm talking about the simplest way to <laughs> – you know, there, there was a quote that I wish I could attribute to who said it. But it said the difference between a, a good restaurant and a great restaurant is the sum of a thousand little things being done right every mm. day. And I don't care who you are to remember – a thousand little things to be done right. Like I, I think that's one of the most valuable tools that we have. So you're talking about like a checklist. I am talking about checklists okay. on a on a piece of paper and a pen and a, and a clipboard. It's so powerful because um, you can't remember to do it all, and like yeah. your your routines are going to get disrupted. You yeah. know your your flows are going to get disrupted. Yeah. Things fall between the cracks. But if you can look to a piece of paper and look at checks to make sure all those things are being done, it helps with so much with the consistency and this just like I said the, the the thousands of little details yeah. that you overlook every day. I love we're, it. We're uh, no, we're in a you know the. I tell folks, I mean, there's not any one necessary one step or one task that we do each day that's that complicated. Yeah. But there are thousands of them. And you got, you can't mess them up. I love it. Have you heard of Jolt? I'm curious. I feel like I just can't Um, help but think of Jolt when you're mentioning clipboard and the power of checklists. No, no. Is it it iPad based or digital based? Yeah, it's basically just an iPad based checklist, but it, it creates, for example, like, Say you're cleaning the your your, your line, right? The, the food line. Um, everything has its place on a food line. So before you can say, I finished cleaning the food line, you have to take a, a photo of it okay. to make sure that everything's in place. And the manager, regardless of whether location you're at, um, will, can see like all the locations, like what, what checklists have been completed, and is everything where it's supposed to be? Because you had to take a photo to, to complete that checklist, right? Cool, cool. So it's just kind of a way to, to track everything and to make sure everything's getting done. And it's just using technology to kind of do it on a, a greater scale. But yeah. it's, really, I, um, I'm, it's one, it's one uh, tool that I'm constantly uh, bringing up in the show because I think it's great. And, great, uh, great. And it, they're not paying is, me to say this, by the yeah, way. Yeah, no, and this is with apologies to Jeremy and Josh <laughs> and our IT team. They're wonderful. Okay. Uh, it's <laughs> nice. a little bit of a nod to our old school nature. I love so. it. Um, all right, so this is the last question it's a doozy. Get ready for it. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure. With the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Another great question. Um, <laughs> so I thought about this one, and I'm, thank you for the heads up on it. Yeah, it's a tough uh, one. I'd be a jerk if I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of li- I kind of looked at it in two ways. So one kind of at the macro level for humanity, and one kind of for what I what I would hope that the folks in the Taco Deli world would would remember. So uh, on the restaurant side, you know, three things that always come to my mind, and I and I share these thoughts with our team a lot. And, and the first one is if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right, so it's hard. Right, yeah. you're going to feel stressed out. Yep. This is it's hard. It's not yeah. it's not an easy job. I think it's accepting that is the first step. Yeah. And, I think life is hard. Yeah. I think we want it to be easy because we're sold that all the time, that it can be better because yeah. that's what people that's what people sell things to us to improve, right? But it's false promises, I feel like, half the time. And just embrace the heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so it just, yeah, if, if, if you're feeling a little overwhelmed right now, well, most people would. Yeah, yeah lean into it. It's not easy. The flip side of that is is when you're really feeling overwhelmed and you're in the weeds and kind of freaking out, it's only a taco. Yeah, okay? <laughs> step it's back. It's okay, yeah, yeah. Let's not take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. Um, so is that two or one? Well, let's let's count two. Okay, let's count that two. Um, and then the last one on that is is uh, you know don't don't believe your own hype. Like we're only is it, we've had twenty year, wonderful years and we get great accolades and we, we we get a lot of good press and and everyone says great things about us. Doesn't matter, right? The, what we're going to be judged on is the taco that I have in this basket right now. That I'm setting down on your table and you're yeah. about to eat. That's what matters. Right? I love it. So so 
don't rest on your laurels. I love it on the on the human humanity one. Uh, so you give me a six. I love it. Well, I, I, I had to look at it from a personal <laughs> and professional. Go for it. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind on that was the old Ferris Bueller quote, you know, life moves pretty fast, and if you don't stop and look around, you might miss it. Yeah. Uh, and so if you're not, you know, how you spend your time, where you spend your time, what you're doing, and with whom you're doing it, you control that. Yeah. And, and if you're not happy doing any of those three things, then make a change, right? Exactly. Because it's going to go by quick, and I don't want to get to the end of my life and, and, and have too many regrets. Yeah. And, and I, people that are smarter than I am say, I think when you get to that point you don't regret the chances you took or the things that you did actually do you regret the things you didn't try mm. or you regret the things that maybe you didn't get a chance to do so, and so i try to i try to try to try to i try to apply that personally and professionally so that's one on the personal level did you have more or is that where you wanted to end it oh i'll it, let you go as long as you want no man. no that it just <laughs> it, it just kind of you know again the 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 the, the how the, the how you spend your time yeah the, the people you spend your time with and and the places that you do that, you know, just, just you know, be if, you're, intentional. if you're not happy, make a change. You, you can control that. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's powerful, man. It's not too late, man. So you know, do, yeah. do it sooner than later. Thank you for sharing that. And this has been yeah. a great conversation. I wrap up every chat by having my guests call somebody out. Great. Who is somebody that you respect, admire, and look up to in this industry? An owner, operator that is just crushing it. And you, you would like to hear on the show. Well... Can I answer by can by can I can I give you a Houston and Austin and Dallas because it's really hard to narrow. Yeah, down. the more the merrier, man. Right. That's how I grow this sucker. Thank you for humoring me there. Um, in Houston, one of our good friends and the guy who I really respect is a guy named Michael Sambrooks. Okay, been in the restaurant business for a long, long time. He's got multiple multiple restaurants in Houston. Um, the most recent one I ate at is called the Pit Room. It's an incredible barbecue. Um, here in Dallas, a good friend named Matt Tobin, and he owns Good Friend Burger and Good Friend Package, and he's just a he's a hell of a guy. Um, and then in Austin, a uh, real good friend of ours is a gentleman, Ned Lavelle, and he owns Pint House Pizza. Uh, and they have won numerous awards for their craft beer nice. uh, nationwide. And in fact, I um, should have mentioned this earlier, but we're really excited. We have been invited to cook at the James Beard House. Oh, that's, that's in, awesome, uh, man. New York. Yeah, Congratulations. And so, uh, so Roberto's really... I've just, recorded an episode in that place. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. we're, really, we're really honored. We're really excited. You know, it's a huge honor for Roberto. Uh, but we've invited Ned to come up and be our beer partner. Ned, wait, Ned? Did you say Ned Elliott? Lavelle. Lavelle, okay. Ned Lavelle. Because Ned Elliott used to be in Austin with a foreign domestic and just kind of popped Okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, if you had had a chance to try Pite House, Pite House Pizza, it's Pite House. great food and, and, and just wonderful beer. <laughs> so so Mike, Matt, and Ned, look out. I'm coming after you. I, I hope love so. to get you yeah, on the show. Th- thanks for letting me squeeze in a couple of Oh, extras. my pleasure, man. Uh, and that makes my job easier trying to find good people to make an example of. So I appreciate it. Sure. And uh, how can we connect if we want to come join your team? Maybe you guys are expanding to locations 12 in the future and you're looking for more people to, to, to bring on board how can we connect yeah so uh, tacodeli.com is our website my email is eric at tacodeli uh, so it's not uh, not too hard to get a hold Beautiful. of us thank you so much eric for taking the time to share your story your knowledge your mentorship there is no questioning my man you are unstoppable <laughs> thank you very much cheers Well, there you go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you all enjoyed it. Some great things came out of today's chat. I think the most impactful thing for me is this mentality that if you treat it like you own it, someday you eventually will. And sweat sweat equity is a real thing, Uh, especially when you're strong where the owner is weak. Uh, Become a person of value and fill the roles that this other person who started the business can't fill and you'll be surprised at what opportunities you can create for yourself. And then I think the other really 
great value that came from today's show is this idea of building out your framework of your business, uh, like organizational roles and uh, the structure before you scale so you can scale into it. So you're not scrambling like a maniac trying to to work on your business when you're trapped in it, right? Uh, Great stuff today. And like I mentioned at the beginning of today's show, I am in LA and I would love to connect with you guys. Uh, Just... I don't know. It's fun to meet my listeners on the road. It's cool to hear how the show has been helping them. It's great feedback for me. So don't be shy. Reach out to me. I would love uh, to come visit you in your restaurants. And I recorded this interview today on site in Dallas. So if you want to come in the restaurant with me and my guests and see the interview, be sure to subscribe to that YouTube channel. I made it super easy for you guys. If you're listening to this on iTunes, like most of you are on your phone, just scroll down on your iTunes player or your Apple podcast player, and you will be able to link to the YouTube channel right there. And please subscribe. Subscribing really helps. You don't even have to watch it. Just help me out and subscribe and thank you in advance. And then lastly, I want to let you guys know, uh, that it's really uh, a priority in mind right now to build up this Facebook group. Uh, trying to keep track of all these different channels of communication and stay on top of it is a little overwhelming. So I'm trying to funnel all that communication to one spot. And I've chosen Facebook to do that for now. So if you want to come join the conversation, and I'm also inviting my guests to that Facebook group. It's a, another way you can possibly connect with the guests. So if that sounds interesting, again, scroll down and find the, the link to Facebook and then I need to remind you to keep those five-star reviews and iTunes coming. They really help with my ranking, and plus it's great feedback for me. So if you left one, thank you in advance. If you haven't, it's not too late. All right, that's it for today. Thank you for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.